talk about Jesus. Can you say amen? Today we're going to keep talking in our mission series. It's good to have all of our guests today with us. We're going to be talking about the greatest mission gift. Everybody say the greatest mission gift. Today we're going to be talking about the greatest gift that was ever given in missions. As we prepare to talk about this, open up your scriptures to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah is going to be our opening scripture today. Your announcements have notes on the back. Follow along. Keep them in your Bible. Download the messages on the website and forever be changed. Come on, somebody. Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. When we read some of these scriptures today, you're going to think he was alive during the time of Jesus. But he wasn't. He preceded Jesus by at least a thousand years. That means Jesus is unique to any person that has ever lived or walked on this earth. Jesus had prophetical message to be so detailed of where he would live, how he would be born, where he would be born, what he would do in his life, how he would die, and what he would do, of course, after he died. All of these accomplished the prophetic message of the prophets in such a way that if you were to try to see if somebody could fulfill these prophecies by chance, it would take the same chance of filling the state of Texas with quarters up to your waist, painting one quarter red, dipping it into the state of Texas, and saying you get one chance to pick out the red quarter. That is how awesome it is that Jesus fulfilled prophecy. It's not like just what you see on TV, somebody claiming to be somebody special, or these other religions where they say they've had a vision or a dream. When Jesus came on the scene, he had so many prophecies being fulfilled and behind him that when he stood in front of you it was more than chance or coincidence he was and is the very son of God as we get ready to talk about him from the prophets of the Old Testament I want to ask you a question as we're thinking about opening gifts for those that celebrate Christmas what is the best gift you ever received write that down those who are taking notes and those who are not just think of it what was the best gift you ever received now some of you you know you're not really into gifts and you've kind of lost the enthusiasm so you may have to go back to your younger years i know i'm one of those people i don't really get giddy over gifts anymore you might say pastor if i bought you a plane you would get giddy yes but i'm really not as obsessed with things as i used to be i'm not even saying that's because i'm more christian i'm just not one of those people some however are I want you to think of the greatest. Somebody said amen. That's okay. Love things that don't take you from God. So here's the thing. What was the greatest gift you ever received? I went back in my arsenal of memories, and I thought about the time I was in fifth grade, 10 years old, and this was the greatest gift in the whole world. This was like the Christmas story BB gun for me. I had to have this. I remember sleepless nights thinking about how I was going to play on it. I remember just talking to all of my friends and how I was going to have one too because some of the cool kids in the neighborhood, they had already got one. And I want to tell you something. When Christmas Eve came around, I begged my parents so much that we were the type of family that opened up gifts on Christmas. But this Christmas Eve, I begged them, I hounded them so hard and so long that they finally let me open this up. And hours later, numb fingers, eyes that couldn't blink anymore. I had played Super Mario Brothers to the wee morning hours of Christmas. This was honestly probably the greatest gift when I think about gifts that I've ever received in my entire life and still to this day 
we own all three game systems, the Wii, the PS3, and the Xbox. So when I talk to teenagers about Black Ops and different games, Halo Reach, I'm still a game player from this time when I was 10 years old. But I want you to think about your greatest gift and what it meant to you. Think about the words that you would use to describe this gift. Excuse me. What would you say about your gift? My gift, when I describe the Nintendo, I say, man, it was fun. It was exciting. I mean, honest, I mean, it was exhilarating. It was challenging. It was community. It brought my friends together. He would be, Mar- he would be Luigi. I would be Mario because it mattered. And, and we would play all day, and then we would get other games like Mike Tyson Punch-Out, and we would just cheer each other on. And still to this day, I have friends that are my age in their 30s, and he can remember some of the cheers I would give him while he was playing games like Mike Tyson's Punch-Out and the things we would do together. And I remember one time, uh, as I got better at the game, I wanted to beat it a certain way, and I couldn't beat it, and I got so mad at it, I started throwing it down. But in my little fifth-grade mind, I said to myself, if I throw it down, I break it, and then it wins because I didn't win and beat it. So I can't let it be broken because then somehow it beats me still. So I went, and I got a pocket knife, and I sawed at the little game. This is how crazy y'all are going crazy. I sawed at the game just enough to punish it and tell it how much I didn't like it, but not damaged enough that I couldn't blow in it and put it back in and have it start. Because it was sometimes frustrating. It was challenging. Now, I want you to think about how you would describe your gift. Maybe women, it's that piece of jewelry that somebody gave you. Guys, maybe it's that car or that, you know, that thing that you love the most, the words you would use to describe it. Now, you know today we're going to talk about Jesus being the greatest gift that God ever gave. And I want you to look at the words that is used to describe who Jesus is and see if we can compare it to anything on this earth. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Everybody say a son is given. One, two, three, a son is given. Maybe you never thought it that way, but Jesus was given to you. Jesus was given to us. So it says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Now look at the description of who this is. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Maybe you could say, I had the gift of love given to me over a Christmas time. Maybe you fell in love, got married. Maybe you had a child. Maybe those things have been great gifts in your life. I know one of my best friends that I used to pastor with in New Orleans just had a baby yesterday. Uh, Freddie, Lynette, just had a baby. What a gift. What a, what a blessing to her life. Maybe that's a word she could use to describe it. But how about this one? Mighty God. How many know the description of mighty God can't belong to anything now? It's a son. He's given to us. And there's nobody like him. He's a wonderful counselor. He's mighty God, everlasting father. That's not to say that Jesus is the father, but it's to say that Jesus fathers us. That a father takes care of his children. That a father looks after the children. Jesus does that for us. We are his sheep. He is our shepherd. And then it says, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
Do you know that when Jesus comes back the second time, there will be peace on earth? Why? Because the Prince of Peace is here. Until that happens, there can be no peace in the Middle East until we have the what? The Prince of Peace. And the Bible says when his government's established in Jerusalem, his reign will see no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and for everybody. Everybody say forever. Forever he will reign as king. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So what is the greatest gift that God has ever given us? Everybody say Jesus. Say it like you mean it. Say Jesus. Thank you. The greatest gift that God has ever given us is Jesus. Now, I want you right here to understand what this means. If I gave you a gift and you did not take that gift, wouldn't that be an insult or a disrespect to you? Now, how much more so if I spent a million dollars to give you a gift? And you then didn't receive it. Wouldn't that be a greater disrespect? Wouldn't the greater value of the gift determine the greater level of disrespect? Meaning, parents, if you give your children a, uh, you know, some broccoli on their table to eat, you know, on their plate, and they don't eat it, how many of you know you're not going to go to your bedroom and cry and say, I'm such a good mom and they don't love me? But how many know parents, if you spent your time shopping and buying them clothes, and then they threw it back in your face out of selfishness and said, I don't want these things, how many know that would hurt you as a parent? How many know husbands and wives that husbands, if you just want to come home and you just want to give your wife maybe some of your laundry to clean, and she just says, I'm not receiving that gift, you don't go back into your room and cry. But how many know if... She took the gift of marriage and cheated on you with somebody else. That is so valuable, a grown man would cry. You see, the value of a gift determines how we feel about the reception or the rejection of that gift. Now, think of it this way. The words that describe Jesus is mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, ask yourself this question. Why is there a hell? There is a hell for eternity, the most extreme punishment because of rejecting the greatest gift. Get that in your hearts today. We live in a secular society where people want to make us feel that believing in hell is barbaric. That to believe in hell means to believe in torturing people needlessly and endlessly for eternity. And only a sadistic people or a group of people would believe that. But what they don't understand is the great value of the gift. There is a hell because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. That means if you reject the gift of Jesus, you deserve to perish because the gift is that extraordinary. You're not just rejecting the difference in the upgrade of your car from stick to automatic. You're not rejecting the the ability to get the insurance on your DVD player. Would you like the insurance package with that? 20 extra dollars. Jesus is not the cherry on top of your middle class white American dream. He's not. You see, a lot of people came to America and they lost their faith in the American dream. 
they have sent their kids to our schools and they've lost their faith in God. And now America has lost what it once stood for and we've traded it for what God and trusting in God meant to now trusting in these things. But yet I want to ask you a question. Is there still a hell? Yes or no? Is there still a hell? Is the gift still being given to keep us from hell? So if people today reject Jesus, where do they go? So is today Jesus an option to anybody in here? If somebody were to be as crazy, maybe if we had a chance to examine your heart, maybe there might be a God mocker in this place today. Maybe somebody drug you to church. Maybe you're a friend of a friend that just wanted to hang out today and kind of itch your religious itch to feel better. And maybe down deep in your spirit, if we could put a microphone down into your heart, you would be saying to yourself, well, if that's what heaven's like, I would rather go to hell because God, if he forces me to go to heaven instead of going to hell, that's not really a choice. And I don't appreciate God forcing me to accept his gift. Because I don't take it as a gift. Some people think that way. Who is Jesus to demand that I accept him? Who is Jesus to give me the ultimatum? Because we just want to get so puffed up. We just have this cantaloupe-sized brain. We've been able to look at a few stars. And we've been able to count a few amoebas and DNA structures of the body. And we just think we're so special that we're going to tell God, how dare you? Tell us. Tell me. I have to receive that gift. Well, let me talk to you, Mr. Big Britches. Let me talk to you, Sister Sassy. If you're in here hiding it down deep in your heart, you didn't create yourself. And your creator has the right to do with you whatever he pleases. Now it's up to you if you want to reject him and suffer his wrath. But it will be your fault, baby. It will be your fault, sir. Because he did everything he could to keep you from there. He gave you a gift. Now when you hear the message of repentance, turn from your sins. Get out of adultery. Don't have sex with someone you're not married to. These things we call commandments. Don't lie. Don't steal. We at first are resistant, but if we would hear the full story, if we repent of those things and are forgiven, we get to go to heaven. You know what we call the message of repentance? We call it good news. Imagine if I'm driving down the highway going west down Irving Park and I'm just having such a good time and I stop and ask somebody, am I on my way downtown to Fogo de Chao? Am I headed in the right direction? If somebody told me, yes, yes, you are. You just keep going that way. You'll run right into it. How many know I might feel happy? I can nudge my wife and go, see, I told you we were right. I was right. I'm going the right way. But how many know after endless journey, I would begin to get upset? And then when I found out from another helpful person that said, no, actually, it's about 20 miles that way. You're in Kenosha, Wisconsin. How many know that then I would get upset at the person who told me everything was okay? You know, sometimes we go to churches just for the pastor to tell us, oh, everything's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you're just fine. Oh, I know you were born that way. It's okay for you to fall in love with the same sex. That's great. That We accept you here. Oh, you guys have sex and you're not married? Well, that's just fine, too. Well, you know, at least you're not murdering anybody like those bad murderers out there, okay? Yeah, you're good. Oh, yeah, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. Matter of fact, I just drank some beer, smoked some cigarettes last night. I'm your priest. I'm okay. 
I'm your pastor. Yeah, I just had a homosexual relationship myself. Also did crystal meth on the down low. Yeah, everybody's fine. When we get to heaven, those jokers will be the ones we're angry with the most. Why did you lie to me? Why did you lie to me? Now, at first, when you're driving that wrong way, and, 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 and you're so convinced you're going the right way, and somebody says, hey, you've got to turn around, Bubba. You're like 20 miles out the way. At first, you get a little upset, don't you? But then as you think about it, it's actually good news to you. Yeah, you might get a little upset. Your toe might get stepped on. When a preacher says adultery is still wrong, fornication is still wrong, pornography, lust, and, and lying. And yeah, you might feel like your toes are getting stepped on. But guess what? There's a chance for a U-turn. And if you get on the right path, you'll make it to heaven. And you'll be happy somebody told you the right way to get there. Look at your neighbor and say, get on the road to heaven. Let me give you three ways that God gave us the gift of Jesus. We believe that God is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is not a doctoral discussion on the Trinity, but here it is. The Father, He gave and sent Jesus. The Son gave His life and salvation. The Holy Spirit gives the presence of Jesus. Go to John 3.16 in your Bible. This is going to be quick from this point on. That was the introduction. Here's the message, and then we're going to receive it today. Amen? I don't want to keep you all day. I just want you to get it. If you reject this, you're in some trouble. So I hope that you receive it. I want us to say John 3.16 in the King James because this is the way the world has known it. Jesus' name is the most popular name in all the world, more than Coca-Cola, Mickey Mouse, and Michael Jackson all together. And the Bible is the most read book in all of the world. And this is the most famous scripture. Let's say it together. John 3.16. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So how do we start this story off? The Father gives us Jesus. They're both equally God. There's only one divine being, that is God. The Old Testament writers called him Yahweh, also being known as Adonai, Elohim. He is the one God of the Jewish people. The one God of the Jewish people is revealed in three divine persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit as one divine person. So the Father sends us the Son. The Father is God. The Son is God. But the Father and the Son are not the same person. Are you listening to me? So the Father sends the Son. What a gift given to us. That God the Father would give that to you. People today feel that nobody's done, them, uh, done anything for them. Sometimes we feel afraid. Sometimes people have a bad father in this world, and it affects the way they look at this life. And you've gone through some pain. But I want you to understand, you are not just another number. You're not getting lost in the crowd. The Father knows who you are, and he's giving you the gift of Jesus. Some people have said to me, how could God know all of us? Do you know, my friends, right now, that computers can find just a word in your file so quickly right now? You could put in your Microsoft computer, like Google, the word love, and it could search every file that you have on your computer and pull up every file with love. My friends, God is so much bigger than that. He knows everything about you. He is the greatest mind that ever can be possibly imagined. The Bible says he has such a great and brilliant mind that he's named all the stars in the sky, and he's numbered every hair on your head. And knows every grain of sand at the seashore. That's an awesome God. Can you say amen? 
So when God gives you Jesus, he's giving it to you personally. He's giving Jesus to you. When it says, God so loved the world, that's you. Are you in the world, amen? Is anybody right now not in the world? Can I talk to you for a moment? Okay, amen. Here's the second thing, Jesus. Go to John 10, 17. John 10, 17 talks about now what Jesus gave us. So, yes, the Father says, Jesus, you come, but what does Jesus do once he is here? John 10, 17 says, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it back up again. This command I received from my Father. So what does Jesus Jesus willingly do for us lay down his life lays down his life I could keep you here all day with the analogies of what this means but I would like to tell you the story that I think says it the best imagine today that there would be a young adult a teenager and he would commit a crime a despicable crime murder rape something horrible and there he's in front of a judge And it is just for him to be punished. And at that point, his father, an outstanding citizen, comes before the judge and says, whatever punishment you give him, I want you to give me instead. That is the example of what Jesus is doing here for us. My friends, we all deserve to perish because of our sins. If you would say, why doesn't God just forgive me? And not need the blood of Jesus. Just tell me he forgives me. If a judge today had a murderer in his courts and said to the murderer, I forgive you without any punishment, would you like that judge? Would you say that was a good judge? If they just said to murders, murderers who are convicted of crimes, go free. Go free. No. We say in our society that if a judge doesn't punish those who commit crimes, that the judge now is unjust. Is everybody with me? For the Father just to look at you how some people think that he will in heaven. Well, when I get up to heaven, he'll forgive me. No, he won't. No, he won't. God is a just judge. Someone has to be punished for the sins you've done. Someone has to be punished for the lies that you've told. All of the Old Testament foreshadows this in the sacrifice of animals. So when people sin in the Old Testament, animals were killed. And the principle was for the remission or the forgiveness of sin, there must be the shedding of blood. My friends, without Jesus' blood washing you clean, there is no forgiveness for your sins. Now, how grateful are you? That Jesus laid down his life. When the Bible says he became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God, this is not just some little cute thing. I want you to think of the most disgusting sin you've ever done. Oh, ouch, that hurts. Come on, really think about it. Some of you have been so disgusting that if I put it up here, everybody would be ashamed to know you did something like that. And I would be the first. If you told on some of my, you know, we testify in this church, but you can't testify at all. Amen. Come on. It's not like somebody's going to come up here and say, I have to confess, I've been lusting after the pastor's wife. But praise God, I'm set free. Awkward. Hello? Nobody's going to come up here and go, yeah, I used to go to those pornography sites. I used to have those hidden cameras in girls' bathrooms. Awkward. 
See, nobody's going to come up here and go, yeah, I was one of those six dudes that beat up a kid and stomped on his face. I, I was one of those. See, when we testify generally, we talk in generals, don't we? I used to be a violent person. I used to be a perverted person. Because when we get to the downright nitty-gritty things we've done, we're even ashamed to talk about them sometimes even to our own wives, husbands, the people we love the most. There are some things that I've still done that I haven't shared with my wife. It's under the blood. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus took that sin on the cross. He knew it. He knew it by name. Just like Google, when you push in love on Google, a million hits come up. And Google, that that computer program, knows every single time on the World Wide Web that love is being used. God knew everything you did through Jesus. But he did it willingly. How can we reject that now? We ought not to. We ought to receive it. Amen? And lastly, what does the Holy Spirit do? Look at John 14, 15 through 19. The Holy Spirit gives us the presence of Jesus. This is Jesus talking. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Let's say verse 15 together. You're going to learn a Bible verse today. Are you ready? One, two, three. If you keep my commandments. Say it again. One, two, three. If you keep my commandments. Now everybody say it. One, two, three. If you. See, Jesus told us how important that was. Thank you. And I will ask the Father. So here's Jesus talking. Uh, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Then he says, then I'll ask the Father. That's the other person of the Godhead. And then he will give you another. Everybody say another. Another advocate to help you out and be with you forever. The Greek word for another is Elion. It means another of the same kind. So if you say, uh, thank you, Mom, for this uh, lasagna, may I have another serving? You want the same kind. You don't want her to run out to the store and go get a serving of lasagna and say, here it is. It's not the same kind, is it? When Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father to send another counselor, Elion, another of the same kind, he's saying, I'm sending God, the third person now, the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. See, people think we're crazy because they can't see the Holy Ghost. But how many know you got the Holy Ghost and fire down deep in your soul? Amen. How many know you feel it? You can see it. Hallelujah. They couldn't see electricity for a while. Benjamin Franklin didn't know what was happening, but he was sure feeling it. Amen. The Bible says the world cannot accept him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him. See, the Holy Spirit's not an it, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Look at verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Well, how will you come to us, Jesus? Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Well, how will I see you? Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. How will we see Jesus? How will he know? How will we know he's with us? When people say Jesus lives in my heart, is Jesus down there in the capillaries of our heart? He's dodging the blood vessels as it's everything's coming there. You eat a little bit too too much of those con condules, little bit of pizza. He's fighting with the, the cholesterol of your heart. Is that Jesus in your little heart? How are you doing, little Tito Jesus? I'm okay. When he says, I will live in you, and we say, Jesus is in my heart, we're talking about our soul, which encompasses our mind, will, and emotions. It's the part of us that is metaphysical. That means it goes beyond just our senses of what we taste, see, smell, hear, and and the other one. 
touch. I thought I said touch. So we say taste, touch, smell, hear, and see. There it is. He is in us as the Holy Spirit is in us. So is God with us here? Yes. Is Jesus with us here? Well, who specifically is here? The Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit. But does the Holy Spirit come by himself? Is he separated then from the Father and Son? No, when he comes, he brings with him the very qualities of the Father and the Son. Because he said, on that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. It's all one big love circle right there when we get born again. Because the Spirit of God brings to us the Father and the Son. So, my friends, how to summarize it today? The Father gives us Jesus. Jesus gives us his life. And then the Holy Spirit gives us the presence of Jesus. So today the question is, have you received Jesus. John 1, 12 through 13, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Everybody say born again. Thank you. Have you been born again? Have you received the gift of salvation? Now, some of you might say today, yeah, pastor, I'm saved. Well, how do you know that you're saved? You should have evidence. Remember, we talked about somebody would have evidence if they touched electricity. Somebody would have evidence if they've been born, if I've been born of a Wyrostic family, I have evidence in my DNA, right? You just can't go off and say, I'm a Wyrostic. You have to have the evidence of being in your family. Here's the biblical evidence today that you have received the greatest mission gift. Number one, you have a born-again experience. That means there's a day in your life, not when you were a child being baptized, but there is a day in your life you said, I met him and know him, and he changed me. When was that day? Well, Pastor, I can't remember. I can guarantee you if you can't remember, it didn't happen. November 5th, 1995, right around 5-ish in the, the evening at my mother's kitchen table, Colbrand Court, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Zap, bing, pow, Jesus came into my life. Never will forget it. Never. November 5th, 1995. So have you had a born-again experience? Well, I've been going to church, Pastor, and I think I'm a pretty good, pretty good person. Jesus said to Nicodemus in this passage, who was a better person than you, had Nicodemus memorized five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and probably could quote the whole book of Psalms, 150 chapters from memory, and he went to church, prayed at least three times a day. So I don't think we're as good as even Nicodemus was, but Jesus said to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. You can't get it by coming to church. You can't get it by shaking the preacher's hand, high-fiving me, or dropping something cool in the offering bucket. You have to have met him, been transformed by him, made a decision to be born of God. I receive you, Jesus, into my life. And my friends, it's more than a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm excited about that today and i hope you have it because if you don't you're rejecting god number two the bible talks about there being an evidence in your life of accepting jesus you love to keep jesus's commands remember that scripture that we memorized one two three if you love me you will about half of you already forgot it amen we'll pray for you if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Write it down. Don't forget it. John 14, 15. You know what people say all the time? It's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard to quit sinning, Pastor. I mean, come on, man. It's hard. You just don't know. <laughs> 
can't quit fornicating. It's so hard till I get married. Never, never. Sexual healing. I can't make it without it. So hard for God. Do you know why people struggle with sin? Is because they struggle with loving God. Why did I become celibate for 10 years? Was it because it was so natural to my DNA and the perspective that I had on life? Absolutely not. There were days I was in the cold shower. Dear Lord, help me. And then songs would come into my mind. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. God changed me because I began to love him. When you are seeing there is a battle, it is because the evidence of salvation is not in your life yet. The first evidence that a person knows they're saved is they want to live saved. If you are in a, you might say, well, pastor, nobody's perfect. That's right. But those who are saved hate their sin. You can always tell the difference. Trust me, I've been doing this for a while. When somebody comes up and they're just like, yeah, I just, yeah, I had sex last night, but I just want prayer so I can be forgiven. Are you still living with the person? Yeah, I'm still living with the That's okay. Just pray for forgiveness. There's a difference, okay? Then when you see a young man come, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I looked at YouTube, BigHooters.com. I'm not the same. Forgive me. Do we understand there's a difference? The other person doesn't love God. They just want forgiveness to go back out and sin again. They're not learning what it is to be in a relationship with Jesus. It would just be like the day I got married to my wife. Me saying to her, listen, baby, uh, nobody's perfect. I've got a couple girlfriends on the side, and I want them in our relationship, but don't worry, I'll let you know, and then I'll say, I'm sorry. Where were you last night? I was with one of my girlfriends. I'm sorry. How many times would I get away with that? Good wives, how many times would your husband get away with that before he caught the shoe upside his head? Pap! <laughs> Sorry to that. Now, goodbye. There's your stuff. <laughs> Set it on fire, bonfire in the house. Children, that's daddy's stuff. He's gone. Where's he going? Don't even know where. Don't care. He's out the house. Sleeping with the Bible now. I got me a man. Hallelujah. How many single people got them a man? And his name is J-E-S-U-S. Woo! Yeah, we want to talk about loving God but breaking his command. No, that doesn't go together, my friends. If you love God, you will hate when you break commands. Yeah, have I made mistakes being a Christian? Yes, and it has brought so much guilt to me that I'll pray. I remember my wife and I got into a fight, and I went to my room and prayed for an hour just for God to cleanse my heart. Why? Because I love God. I don't want to break his commands. Number three, you have a growing relationship with God through prayer, reading the Bible, and the church. Yes, because if you love him, you do things with him. Going back to the wife example, if I said, honey, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I'll see you next year, okay, baby? How many know that marriage wouldn't last long? Why am I saying these examples? Because these are relationship examples. The Bible says Jesus is married to the church. That is his bride. So, my friends, when you don't love the church, that's like you coming to my house going, hey, man, I've come to hang out with, hang out with Joe, but Nancy, you can hang out in the basement. How many know if you did that, you'd be heading out the door on your head? Boom. You know what I'm saying? Don't you talk to mama that way. Oh, yeah, I love Jesus, but I don't like coming to church. you got a problem with Jesus because the church is Jesus' bride. Well, I love Jesus. I don't like reading his Bible. Then you've got a problem with Jesus because that's Jesus' words in his Bible. Well, I love Jesus, but I don't like praying to him. Well, you've got a problem with Jesus because the way you talk to him is through prayer, and that's the way he talks to you. 
Hallelujah. And the last one, the Bible gives us that you have a deep sense of love for God and others. That means that the direction of your life is no longer based on a paycheck or your economic status or what feels best or the the most comfortable thing to do. You're basing the decisions on your life upon this, loving God, loving people. If you love him now, would you stand to your feet with me? Give him a hand clap of praise because of Jesus coming to this earth. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Band, would you come? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that there is a gift, and his name is Jesus, and he's coming to every person here. And I thank you for those that have already received Jesus. Father God, we are so thankful that every time we come here, you meet us. Lord, church is not just a place to hang out or hear good stories. It's to meet with you by your Holy Spirit. But, Lord, I pray right now for my friends, for my guests, for those in this room that either haven't received you or haven't done it your way. Oh, God, I pray today they'll understand that there is no one like you. There is no one like you. You are described in language that our own minds don't understand. You are a wonderful counselor. You are the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. I'm so thankful today that when Pastor Chime came on, Lord, he reminded us of all the other adjectives you are. You're the friend that sticks closer than a brother. You are the lily of our valleys. You're the bright and morning star in the darkness of our nights. You are our shepherd that holds us close to your rod and staff as we walk through the shadows of death. You are the fourth man in the fire, the angel of the Lord with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so that not even one hair on their head was burned. You are everything to us today. And I pray, God, as much as what is in my heart today, and only you know my heart, that there would be no one here to walk away without receiving you. Oh, God, that there would be no one to reject you today. I've shared with them your word, oh, God. As we've learned in lessons before, knowing the terror of the Lord, to fear the Lord, I've tried to persuade them, oh, God. That to reject you would mean an eternity of punishment. But Lord, you've given them a free will. It's the gift you've given all of us. It's our freedom. And no more can you make them choose you than my prayer can make them choose you. But, oh Lord, you taught us to pray so that their hearts would be soft and that their ears would hear what you are saying. With every head bowed and eyes closed, you just heard a pastor's prayer. That's what I pray for you. Now I'm just going to begin to direct my prayer into your life. If you're here today and you're hearing my voice and you're saying, I haven't received him like that yet, pastor. You you know, I've come here and I've heard the messages and I've been to church before, but I I don't really have a relationship with him. And the evidences you've mentioned, I, I don't have them, but I want to. 
I want you to listen to me today. I'm going to pray with you today. All you have to do is open the gift up and take it and make it yours. That's why he called it a gift. Because it's the simplest illustration of receiving it. Just like you would unwrap a present and make it yours. You receive Jesus. You take apart your heart and you let him come in. It's not something you have to make yourself to do. You don't make yourself a better person. You don't change yourself then become a Christian. You come just as you are with all your faults, with all your failures, even your doubts and your questions. And you receive into who you are, who he is, and he will be with you. And you will know him. And you will know that you've been born again. And you will feel a love in your heart to do things you thought you could never do. You will keep his commands. You will go after him. You won't. We'll have to lock you out the church because you'll want to be with him so much. You'll tear open your Bible and devour it. You'll be praying in your car at your work in the bathroom because God is with you. You will love him and love others, not because of your own compassion, but because there's a gift of love given to you and you have to give it away. With every head bowed and eyes closed before I pray for you, I just want you to get that last point of loving him as a gift. If I brought my daughter up, in a, and this came into my mind as I was praying, if I brought my daughter up in a house where we yelled at her, and we imparted anger and abuse in her life, she would grow up that way. But why does my daughter love to love? Because it's been imparted to her. It's been given to her. And now she gives it away. Why will you love God so much? Why will you raise your hands and worship? Why will you come to church? Why will you do all that? Because you've now received His love. You have to give it back to Him. You have to tell Him thank you. You have to now love His other creations. Because he's given it to you as a gift. You'll never forget it. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Pray this with me and all the other born again children of God. Say it with me to encourage them so they know they're not alone. Let's all pray this together. Jesus, we come to you today as the greatest mission gift ever given. We come to you today receiving what you did for us. We thank you that the Father sent you, that you laid down your life, and that the Holy Spirit is with us now. We believe that you died and rose again for our sins. And we ask you today, make it personal, say, I ask you today to forgive me of my sins, to wash my heart clean, to fill my heart with your presence and with your love. Now everybody with your hands raised, pray it in your own words right now. Quickly, come on. Those that are just starting to accept God into your heart, come on, tell God some of the junk in the trunk you need to get rid of right now. Come on, and those of you who already love the Lord, ask Him to go deeper within you. Come on, we've all forgotten to appreciate Him at certain times. It's between you and Him right now. Quickly pray. Jesus. Come on, don't wait for God to judge you of that sin. Get it out now. Don't make any excuse. You don't have to leave out here the same way you came. You can let him know that deep, deep, dark, deep, dark sin right now. He'll forgive you of that. 
He'll forgive you of that. You might be alone right now. Tell him you need him. Just say, Jesus, I need you. It's all about Jesus. Five more seconds, you and God right now. You're starting something beautiful right now. You're starting something beautiful right now. You're starting something beautiful. This means something to God. If it means something to you, now the rest of us, everybody pray this. Now say, Jesus, I've opened my heart to you. I've unwrapped your gift. And I bring you into my heart so that you may forever be with me. Now bless my family. Bless what I do in this life. Let it count for you. In your name I pray. If you love the Lord, give him a hand clap of praise in this house. Band, would you lead us in a song before we do our dinner? Let's just sing this song of worship before we leave out this place today. Where else shall I go, Jesus? Which I am saved. Jesus, capture me. Come on, let's worship Him for a few moments in this place today. I need you, Jesus. Come to my rescue. Where else can I go? Jesus. By which I am saved. Capture me. One more time, I need you, Jesus. Come to my rescue. Thank you, God. Just the piano and vocals. Come on. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Come to my rescue. workers would you come right now I'm going to pray for you my wife is going to give direction because we're packed in this place today but if you still need prayer we're going to leave these altars open we're not in a hurry and we're going to close out singing this song and if you want to join us for the fellowship meal we would love to have you do that but before we do all of that I'm going to give one more chance for some to come and receive prayer. Because as you see in our church, we'll do it in the middle and at the end. Why? Because sometimes people can't press into worship until they get some stuff figured out in their life. And that's why we do it in the middle of worship. And then we do it at the end, a time of prayer, because sometimes people, they're kind of stubborn in their heart or they just don't quite get it or they didn't understand it. And then at the end, they say, man, that, that's what I need. I need Jesus. We're going to sing this song again with the full band to let you come and get prayer before we dismiss. Why? Because some of you just might need it right now. Why? Because you just, you're waiting, you're waiting, and you're, I'll do it next time. No, no, do it now. Band, sing it again.
If you're here and there's something in your life that you want to give to Jesus, these altar workers want to pray for you. Come on, I'm coming to Jesus. Sing it one more time, man. And if you're coming, come receiving today. Because we're going to pray a prayer blessing over your life. This is a call for you today. It doesn't matter what you're going through. We're going to pray for you. There's a miracle waiting. Thank you, God. Do it. Do it, Jesus. Capture me. If you came with your friend, bring him now. I don't care. Say, come on, buddy. You need to come. I don't care what it takes. I know you need this. If you have children and you say, you know what? I know my daughter. I know somebody in my life needs it. Bring them with you. Your marriage. Don't miss this last opportunity to receive it in fullness. Thank you, God. Thank you for those who are coming. Come on, we're just going to keep singing it. A few more moments. God is here. I need you, Jesus. Come to my rescue. Where else can I go? There's no other reason. Where Today's a special day for so many. Come on, those who already have the gift, just keep worshiping. Don't we love to sing to Him? If you're already getting bored, you'll get bored in heaven. You're going to be singing a whole lot up there. Get used to it. Come on. I will follow you. Oh, I will follow you. This world has nothing for me. I will follow you. This world has nothing for me. Come on, sing it out, Ish. This world has nothing for me. I will follow you. This world has nothing for me. I will follow you. This world has nothing for me. I'm going to pray for the food. My wife will come, but man, keep playing. Those who are praying, keep praying. It will take us a little while to get everything set up. Be patient with us today. If you have to go, no condo bondo, no guilt or condemnation. We love you. But we're going to pray now. We're going to fellowship. God, we thank you, God, for this wonderful service. We thank you for our friends and family here. We thank you for those that are starting today receiving your gift, that you'll change their lives forever. And, Lord, thank you for those that already know you, that we'll continue to live for you and to share you wherever we go. Bless this time of food and fellowship. Bless all those who have given to make it happen. And, God, we just say thank you. You're the greatest gift we could ever receive. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah.